Critical Role Fanboy was convinced Furbolgs of Tales. To start off, the story from the game is not mine but a friend's, which he told me on our last session while we were waiting for a friend to join. He's new to DMing, being a long-time player, and his whole party is fairly new into D&D, never playing it till now, but you guessed it, they've all been watching Critical Role. He told me how infuriated he gets that he has two players that are rules lawyers, or should I say pretend rules lawyers, and keeps saying that is not how they do it in Critical Role, etc., which is about dumb things like drinking potions as an action, because there they do it as a bonus action. Nevertheless, to the story, he lost his mind when he introduced a Furbolg NPC, and one of the party members asked if he had a tail. My friend said no, because Furbolgs don't have them, but in a certain campaign that's very famous online they do, and yes, that one is Critical Role. So the party instantly became suspicious of the Furbolg, and the DM did not understand why at first, with them following him around and trying to use spells to prove the Furbolg was wearing disguised self. The Furbolg who was sent there to help them with a mystery they couldn't solve started running away, and they started attacking him, with my friend the DM multiple times asking, are you sure about that? And they kept going, until he got guards to try and stop them, and they even used their only scroll of dispel magic on him, and when nothing happened they ran away. They ended up being frustrated that they wasted all their resources, and now they have to sneak around town to find the person they're looking for, and blaming the DM, which he got angry about, and after the session he asked how is that his fault, and why they did what they did, and they said he didn't have a tail, which meant it was disguised self, and when he asked why he would have a tail, one of the players said, well in critical role they do. My friend then gave a line that made me laugh so much, if I didn't have short hair and wasn't balding, I swear I would rip my hair out in that moment because every time they mention Critical Role, if I took a shot, I'd be an alcoholic and probably in a hospital. I just want to say I know Furbolgs don't have tails. My friend knows that as well. They are giant kin. Me and our other friends started laughing because of that. I know they don't have an official art of Critical Role tails. My friend figures that it's because a lot of Furbolg fan art gives them tails, and probably why his players thought what they thought. Like I said, this isn't my players, it's my friend's players, and I personally don't think I could stand his players if that's what he has to deal with. Plus, I know only one of them and I don't really like the guy. Nothing against him personally, he's just difficult to deal with and has personal boundary issues. Keep in mind my friend probably didn't vet his players. His own mistake, because he's pretty new to DMing as he wanted to do it, as he tried it before, but his previous game, well let's say it didn't look a lot like D&D, where he tried to use video game rules etc. And now after years as a player he wants to run his own D&D game with proper rules this time around. And that's probably why he didn't stop them when they try to use meta-knowledge. Being so good it can hurt the game, or the Matt Mercer effect. Here's another story about how people think D&D should be played because of Critical Role. Came across my first real issue with the Matt Mercer effect this week. So I run a lot of D&D. I've even done it professionally as a paid DM. Though not anymore. That's a separate post altogether, I think. But whilst I see and read a lot about DMs having issues with players who are introduced to the hobby through Stranger Things or Critical Role, this is the first time I've actually stumbled over the issue myself. And I'm kind of salty about it for two reasons. One, the player in question ground the game to a halt, in order to pitch and debate me running a class feature in a particular way. Two, as a veteran player and DM himself, he really ought to know better. In fairness, I was asking for trouble when I, at this player's request, funnily enough, allowed the Bloodhunter class, a class that Matt Mercer created. My only real defense is that 1. Curse of Strahd is an appropriate setting for an edgelord class like Bloodhunter, and 2. The issue is separate to the R.A.W. of Bloodhunter anyway. Player decides to play a goblin, a small race. He takes the Order of the Lycan subclass. All fair enough. He has gone for this were-shark transformation that's really cool. 
I should also explain at this point that whilst the player will deny this, he's one of those players that absolutely loves to win, and will always try and put his character in a position to do so. That's not a problem by any means, but it also means that he really doesn't like it when his character isn't in that position. Anyway, after a PC died last session, the party starts this session looting the body, and Goblin eyes this heavy crossbow and calls dibs. I say that's fine, and gently remind them that small-sized creatures have disadvantage on using heavy weapons. He tries to argue. No, I'm sure that's only for tiny-sized creatures. Cue the game being ground to a halt as we double-check. Nope, I'm right. Small size or smaller. Sorry, let's move on. What about if I transform using hybrid transformation? I can be one size larger, right? He asks. Nope, nothing in the RAW about that. And I'm not about to allow it because if a medium-sized creature played this class, they'd become large size when transformed. And that has major mechanical consequences, especially regarding reach, etc. Well, Matt Mercer says it could be run this way. And yet, curiously, didn't allow it when writing up the class. Hmm. I'm salty because this was a debate that stopped the game and then dragged on because the player wouldn't initially accept no as an answer until he felt he'd exhausted all of his excuses. This was also not a discussion that needed to happen there and then. I'm very happy to discuss the reasoning between sessions. But as a PSA to players, if you're trying to butter up your DM into allowing something to be run in a particular way, the worst thing you can say is, Matt Mercer says you can, or that's how Matt Mercer does it. Because one thing I was going to allow is for them to be able to breathe underwater in hybrid form. Makes sense for a were-shark, despite there not being anything in the RAW to allow it. But I'm now genuinely worried that that'll be the proverbial inch that becomes the mile. Oh, well if you're going to allow that then, reveals long list of demands, including size growth again. So yeah, nothing group breaking or anything like that. I'm dreading the conversation with him because it's not the first time I've had to address behavior, including a moment the session before last actually, where he tried to lie about what I'd said earlier in the session. I was grateful to have other players back me up on that one. They're great in low-stakes D&D games and campaigns where roleplay rules over mechanics, but more serious games seem to bring out something unpleasant in them. Now that I think about it, maybe that's the conversation I need to have with them. It's really too bad. As a DM, I love CR. Mercer's approach has certainly improved my own skills, and it's wonderful entertainment. I also really appreciate the diversity that Mercer brings to the table with his NPCs and guest stars, not to mention the cast. However, I get how productions like CR can create unrealistic expectations for players. Look, most of them don't do this full-time, aren't meticulous note-takers, and are most definitely not trained professional voice actors. Comparing the average D&D home game to the CR table is like comparing the dude who jogs once a week to someone who runs a marathon regularly. It's the same sport, but not the same ballpark. It's a really tough position to be in. Critical Role has introduced D&D to a massive audience that has helped grow our awesome gaming community. But at the same time, people tend to forget that DMs aren't always as amazing as a professional voice actor. Shocking, I know. So cut your DM a break, lower those expectations a hair, and try to put yourself in their shoes. They do a lot to make the game possible. Please share your stories about a player's unrealistic expectations in the comments below. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel, All Things D&D. Stay tuned for more amazing Dungeons & Dragons content.